On this episode of Artsy Engineering Radio, Matt Dole and Director of Platform Engineering Joey Agion discuss Joey's life as an engineer. What has he learned from working at multiple failed startups? What is he excited about building at Artsy? All of this and more coming up. Welcome to another episode of Artsy Engineering Radio, and specifically, who are you and how did you get here, or Hawaii Hadig, which is our mini-series where we get to have artsy engineers and probably non-engineers on at some point and talk about how they came to be engineers at Artsy and other things from their lives. So today I'm joined by Joey, who is a senior and very senior engineer at Artsy, maybe our most senior engineer, as a matter of fact, but I am going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. So Joey, who are you? Yeah, sure. Um... I'm Joey, and on paper, I guess I'm the I'm a director of engineering at Artsy. I don't know if I've ever been described as the most senior engineer at Artsy, but I like it. <laughs> no, um, so that's on paper. In reality, um, I help to lead the platform team uh, at Artsy and manage a few engineers as well as a few engineering managers. And yeah, that means... I like to think of it as, since I'm still a little bit hands-on, but we've hired people who do any combination of those hands-on skills better than I do at this point. So I like to think that I you know, provide some helpful nudges to projects or you know, tech decisions or that sort of thing. Yeah, I think of you as kind of our our uh, generalist specialist that you are really good at like, you know, knowing really interesting and obscure parts of our systems and, and jumping in and helping folks. And of course you also do all of the, the management things that I probably have a little bit less insight in, into. That sounds about right. Well, we're going to definitely get more into uh, what you do at Artsy and all of that kind of stuff. But the first question I have for you is actually, when did you start thinking of yourself as a software engineer? I came to programming like late, or at least it felt late. Uh, I mean, it was in the middle of college, basically, whereas it felt like most of the others around me had been programming since they were much younger. But within, I don't know, a semester of taking an intro to programming course, I felt like I'd discovered something and uh, was like applying to internships and they ended up becoming full-time jobs and that sort of thing. So it was, it was around the same time I started to consider myself an adult, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So would you say that, like, did you, was it like you got your first job and you were like, oh yes, now I'm a, a software engineer or you were just starting to code and you said, yeah, this is, this is part of my identity now, part of who I am. Was there a particular turning point you can recall or just sort of a gradual becoming? Interesting. So my first job in software development was I really couldn't call myself an engineer. I was hired part-time. This is while I was in school by a small company that was building an app and their sole developer had gotten carpal tunnel syndrome. And I literally sat at his desk and he told me what to type. And I don't know how many dollars per hour they were paying for me at the time, but that was more productive than using the, you know, the poor voice recognition software that was available for that at the time. So I did not consider myself an engineer at that point, but over a short while and a few projects, um, you know, I started to work a little more independently and do some actual programming. I don't think there was a moment, but uh, yeah, yeah, around that time. 
That's so fascinating. I've never heard of someone being hired as sort of a personal typist before. Have you, did you keep in touch with this person? Did you like get along? I, I went on to work with this person for like se- seven years. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a pretty uh, we, ideal outcome then. Yeah, yeah. We keep in touch. It was a very strange way to uh, learn a programming language or even to like do one's first professional software development. But yeah, it was it was productive. Yeah, I could imagine that being actually a kind of cool learning environment in some ways where you just get to have someone like really senior literally telling you, you know, okay, this is how I approach this problem. And of course, you know, I'm sure there were downsides too, right? You didn't necessarily get to like explain and ask questions and do as many of those kinds of things, I would imagine. I mean, uh, learning on the job, I think it's usually as good or better, you know, than from any other resource. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with that. That's almost always the fastest learning, the most satisfying learnings come from getting your your hands dirty, in my experience. So the second question I have for you is, could you tell me what is the, or what was the best decision that you have made in your career? So I can think of uh, some bad experiences, not bad, but like sort of negative outcomes that ended up being good results or good decisions. And uh, so in particular, I, you know, changed what I thought I wanted a lot. So Mm. went to engineering schools thinking maybe I'd do like biomedical engineering and apply to medical school, but got into programming, worked for a bigger, slightly, not really a a sort of corporate culture, but like a a management consulting company where I got to see a lot of very large organizations up close and felt pretty strongly like they were not appealing to me. (laughs) So I sort of knew what I didn't want. And and actually coming out of that job, one of the very questionable at the time decisions I made was to stop managing a small software development group and instead go join like an eight-person startup as an individual contributor. Um, but in retrospect, that was absolutely the right thing to do. And I learned a lot through that experience. Let me let me trace this a little bit. You um, you went and worked at this like big management consulting company, right? Um, and is that where you were managing uh, this group of engineers, and you kind of left that, or was that somewhere else? Yeah, I spent the first six or seven years of my career doing software development, but as part of a very small group within a bigger management consulting company. So it wasn't really a tech company; it wasn't a product centered company, and that was an amazing experience. But it was an amazing experience, and it was it was somewhat rewarding in terms of you know, title and compensation and it's a good culture, that that sort of thing. But I was, you know, on a track to spend a lot more time in PowerPoint than code. So it was a pretty difficult decision at the time to uh, immerse myself back into not just code, but like a totally different stack, a very different kind of company, that kind of thing. Yeah, to go from... I feel like that's that's what a lot of people think of as like the management track, right? As you're writing less and less code and you are doing more more management or maybe more PowerPoints. And I think that depends a lot on the, the business, right? That if you're working with like a, a consulting company, um, then yes, maybe you're working with clients more often. You're you know doing PowerPoints. Other places, it might just mean you're spending more time in meetings, making decisions. It depends. And, and you made that, like, what was it like making that choice to go from, okay, this is you know, maybe one version of, of progress to have to sort of like take a step back and and start 
fresh in many ways, especially when it comes to like a really small company where there wasn't many established norms or, or culture or anything. Yeah. Um, I think there was no question about what would be more fun for me at the time. Mm, yeah. Um, the hardest thing was even, even harder than the, you know, title or management responsibilities, even harder than sacrificing that was probably going from a technical environment where I was pretty expert to open source and Ruby and uh, a bunch of technologies that I had never used before, you know, starting that process. Uh, that that was pretty uncomfortable. I went from being the most senior technical person in a company to being the least senior technical person in a company. Right, that kind of domain knowledge that builds up over over you know years at any company, combined with it sounds like just totally a different stack too. You was this kind of like so you worked at this small startup for a while and then you came to Artsy when it was also relatively small, right? Yes, um, I worked at that company for a while. Uh, for a short while, it failed after about a year. Um, and actually that's where I met Carter, uh, Artsy's founder and former CEO and went to another startup after that, which also failed after a couple of years, but was another like very small, you know, five to 10 person company, very product centric. And then I knew Carter, a few of my other former coworkers were starting to join Artsy. Um, so others that I had known from those previous startups, Artsy loomed very large, uh, in my consciousness, even before I was considering it, or you know, certainly before I knew anything about the art world. And it was less than maybe 50 people when you joined? Oh, yeah. I think it was 28 or something like that. Yeah. I have to ask, being part of two consecutive startups that, that failed, that sounds like a really stressful experience. That sounds like something that would you know keep you up at night or give you doubts about, like, do I want to go join another startup? Was it hard to say... Yeah, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna go about this again. Yeah, it's been a few years since I've sort of rewinded back to those. <laughs> but yeah, in each case, it was pretty stressful. In in retrospect, um, you know, I was never in any truly uncomfortable position, but just you know, as someone who's sort of driven and ambitious and wants to believe I'm making okay career choices, those definitely were hard times. And in one case. We literally ran out of money, and we went for a few months without getting paid. In the other case, it was more of a slow burn, but I was that last engineer, like carting up the laptops, <laughs> selling our whiteboards, that sort of thing. Wow, literally last one out the door, huh? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was it was uncomfortable. I mean, as engineers, uh, especially over the last few years, like there are always. They're always interesting that things happening happening in the space. There are always um, opportunities, which is lucky. I think maybe one of the biggest things that came out of that those experiences for me is that that possibility is always very real to me. Like I think you know sometimes in professional life we're not making every decision, whether technical or non technical, as if you know the cash could run out. <laughs> and I definitely feel that. Yeah. So you feel like that experience both, you know, it's clearly kind of gave you a, maybe some focus on like making sure that these, you're making the smart decisions, you're like committing to to the right things. Would you also say that it gave you some confidence that, okay, if this goes underwater, I'll figure it out. I'll move on to the next thing. I'll learn something else. Like I'll get something out of that experience. I would certainly prefer uh, 
success. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't horrify me. Um, and we we talk a lot at Artsy about you know acting like an owner or like making you know if you're choosing what to buy versus what to build, just like acting in a, like an owner, spending the money as if it was yours. And I think that that's something that has felt like pretty natural to me as a result. I've seen those. I've seen the opposite of that go very wrong. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the endless expense account uh, that yeah. suddenly runs dry, right? Yeah. I want to go back to something you you said earlier. Um, you mentioned that working at a really big company was not right for you. That wasn't the fit. And I have to ask, Artsy's been growing a lot. We have we've taken on a lot of engineers. We're looking to almost double the size of our engineering team this year. Do you think there's going to come a point, and you're the kind of senior role where you do do a lot of management, a lot of people work, uh, probably more PowerPoints than you used to as well, right? <laughs> so do you feel like there's a, a point where you might start to get you know, itchy again and decide, I don't want to, you know, even though you are you know, a huge part of our, our team and like have this, this very senior role, that it might not feel right anymore to you? Uh, yeah, I'm constantly considering um, the, you know, the balance of types of work that that my role requires um i think that the i think there's a very exciting thing about this stage that we're at and we've been doing a lot of hiring so apologies if i sound like i'm like pitching the company a little (laughs) bit but we're at a scale that none of my previous none of the previous products that i built or you know systems that i was responsible for got to both in terms of the 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 scale of the product, the users, the transactions, that sort of thing, and the scale of the team building it. And so I think that, yeah, we have very different challenges now than we did a few years ago, but I think those are really interesting challenges. There's a lot of you know, potential for innovation in there and um, you know, when necessary, like capital to invest in, in interesting technical solutions are just very sort of tactically speaking, like a lot of, in, in my previous roles, we talked about software design and architecture a lot. And I, in retrospect, I'm not sure any of it mattered because we never got above a certain number of you know, users or data. And it actually matters now. And, and those are you know, valid and important uh, considerations now. Yeah. I didn't plan this segue, but this worked out very nicely, actually, because I would love to know what in your work gets you the most excited? What are you jazzed about these days? Ooh. Yeah, that's a hard one. So I should say, you know, we're growing the team and that's really important work. And um, the pr- there are, I think there are interesting developments in the product, but probably in my heart, the thing that I find most fun is when, you know, there's some challenge or there's some um, technical obstacle that comes up and a few of us get together and we come up with the, the sort of you know, the solution or the design that involves 50% of the work, 90 or more percent of the gain, and gives us sort of optionality for the future or like makes possible, you know, maybe new features or that sort of thing in the future. That's like, I feel like I've had some conversations like that recently, and those are always a blast. Yeah. Can you bring one or two to mind? Something where you said, oh, this is a, this is a game changer. This is a new solution that we really get to dig into and get excited about. Um, so one recent conversation was about our uh, data pipeline, which early on was you know sort of clued together from many different databases, number of languages, that that kind of thing, and and um, we've been working on 
uh, making it basically more real time and incremental. And that means that uh, a lot of labor intensive work like reporting and analysis can actually happen in the right place if, if we make that, if we streamline that data pipeline. Uh, another one is our bidding engine that uh, has evolved a lot at Artsy, but our most recent plans for rebuilding parts of it and consolidating some of the technologies that have been used elsewhere at Artsy already actually feel very natural after, you know, there are some like intrinsically difficult uh, technical challenges with real-time data processing and guarantees and things like that. And we've struggled with it in the past, but my most recent discussions about it, our most recent plans and experiments have been pretty promising. Yeah, that's very exciting. And the bidding engine, just for folks who might not be familiar, that's how people can execute, you know, they can tune into an auction that's happening through, you know, Philips or another of Artsy's auction partners and place a bid in real time. That's the one you're talking about, right? Yes. That is a, a project that I'm excited about too, because we've had a bidding engine for a long time. We've had a couple of bidding engines actually, and I know they've just been uh, both like really impressive in how well they've worked and also we've struggled to to like do a lot with them because they're pretty different from the rest of our stack. So we've we've yeah, I think the initiative is to like try to standardize them and really bring them in line with with a bunch of what we're doing these days. Yeah, exactly. How uh, what I what I finally see uh, is the opportunity to take something that was maybe scary and difficult for engineers to contribute to and make it something make it into something a lot more something that feels a little more familiar and native and sort of tractable. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we come out with. There might have to be an episode about that afterwards. <laughs> so the last question was, what in your work gets you the most excited? Now could you tell me what outside of your work gets you the most excited? Uh, so one of the things that I, I mentioned that I, I was never really part of the art world before joining Artsy. Uh, in fact, the, the closest thing was actually I was, I was always very interested in sort of design and architecture, and I still am. And... The thing probably that gets me most excited is, um, you know, home repair, home renovation, <laughs> or adjacent projects like that. Yeah, I think of you as a, a big member of the DIY Slack channel at Artsy. Uh, are there any projects that you've done recently that have really been exciting or have had cool results? You've learned something, new tools? The DIY channel at Artsy is probably my greatest contribution to our, our team. Um, no new tools. I'm planning a deck project for the spring, but we'll see. That's very exciting. I will look forward to uh, receiving pictures of that. If they come out in time for this episode, we got to include them as attachments, all right? They will definitely not come out in time for this episode. <laughs> all right, cool. So um, another question I have for you is, if you could use one keyboard shortcut for the rest of your life, only one, what would it be? I thought a little bit about this. And folks know about Command-Shift-V, right? I know people paste, but... Command Shift V is pasting without formatting, which I use a hundred times a day. Mm, wait, so you mean like you you copy some like bolded italic text or something, and you don't want the bolding italics, so they go away? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always manipulating data or taking something from a rich format to plain text, and so I I use that a lot. That's a handy one. I highly recommend it. Um, my other one might be. I use Divi to like uh, arrange my windows, and I have Command Shift Space associated with that, uh, so I use that a bunch also. And what does that do for your particular Divi setup? It's I mean it just brings up the um, the grid where I can 
perfectly positioned. <laughs> nice. That sounds very satisfying. The last question I have for you is, is there anything I should have asked you? Um, I wanted to talk about journals because I had been catching up on the past episodes and I also had, you know, I like everyone, well, everyone that we work with, I feel is always iterating on their personal productivity tools. And I also had sort of thrashed around between a bunch of tools and started keeping just like a plain text journal, like a big markdown file. And I thought I would look back on things and learn about you know, sort of optimize my productivity or something like that. And I don't use it that way, but I use it like for every other thing. <laughs> it's it's remarkably simple and it's remarkably useful. I, I go back, you know, instead of feeling guilt about browser tabs that I haven't read, I can, I can always just like dump a URL in there and leave it for later. I can go back and find it. When I realize something I should do on a future day, I can just like start that entry. It's It's sort of cheap and easy, but consistently useful. Yeah, I know a lot of folks have been experimenting with like Rome research or um, some other really cool and interesting tools, but I've also been just kind of a markdown document boy for a while, uh, you know, pop up in a VS code window and, you know, throw some hashtags and some, uh, some line breaks in there and we're good to go. Yeah, I, I actually do find myself sometimes looking back at stuff from months or years ago too, where I'm like, oh yeah, did I like, did I once, you know, do this particular operation on a you know partner conversation how can i find that and sometimes i'm actually able to search through my notes from you know one or two or even three years ago and, and come across it so i'm definitely an advocate for like just having somewhere to like put all your thoughts whether it's yeah the kind of thing that you are constantly updating or or not yeah you can find the exact command and the day that you ran it it's okay <laughs> yeah that's a big win Great. Well, Joey, thank you so much for coming on to talk to me. This has been a pleasure and I'm looking forward to uh, hearing the results of some of these cool projects we talked about and the deck, all of that stuff. Uh, appreciate you chatting. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Artsy Engineering Radio. You can find us on Twitter at Artsy Open Source, and you can follow the Artsy Engineering blog at artsy.github.io. Our theme music is composed by Eve Essex, and this episode was recorded and produced by me, Matt Dole. Until next time, take it easy.